to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. And I'm Dwayne. And on this episode, we will be reviewing Midnight Special. The classic Creedence Clearwater song. Uh, not so much. What? You mean I listened to this song <laughs> and got a bio and everything for not? Well, we're close to the bayou, but we're not born on the bayou this week. Oh, um, what, what, what in the world are we listening? Are we doing, Jamie? Well, it's, kind, it's an indie movie written and directed by Jeff Nichols. It's oh. kind of, sort of, a superhero origin it has movie, but General not really. Zod and Kylo Ren. That's right. It's and, starring. Uh, and Uncle Owen. Yes, we've got, we've got General Zod, Michael Owen. We've got... Uh, Michael Shannon. Yes. What did I say? Michael Owen. Michael Owen? Michael Shannon. <laughs> okay. Next is, next is Luke's one, dad. One take Jamie here, folks. Joel one Edgerton. take Jamie. What? I'm trying to focus on my notes and do this right, and you're making fun of me and throwing me off. Okay. Duly punished. Thank you. And then uh, the last name I want to mention is Mary Jane herself, Kirsten Dunst. Checking my notes too closely now. He's got me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in your head. Um, also, don't forget uh, Kylo Ren. That's right. I forgot uh, Adam, Adam Driver. Driver. I didn't put him in my notes. Yes, Adam That's Driver. Right. This movie, Jamie, was... On our radar, I know we'd mentioned a few other podcasts before we decided to break down and, and do the review here. And I don't think they knew what they had because I really still don't quite know what I watched. <laughs> it's 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 stupendously weird. I mean, it's it's an odd movie. And I'm not sure the plot actually makes sense. Um, but it's a beautiful movie. Um, and if we're going to start with our, our introductory thoughts, I mean, that's my first one. It's just It's just beautifully shot. I mean, it's it's a you know as they as it's cliche, but it's it's a feast for the eyes. I loved looking at this movie. Yeah, it it is a very watchable movie. Um, filmed very very well. Uh, scenes flow one to the other. The, the uh, characters are consistent. The we've uh, had problems with that in the past. Yeah, we've had problems with that in the past. But yeah, the characters <laughs> are consistent. The story is fairly straightforward, however odd it is. Um, but yeah, it's a, a very well-made movie, and I, I love the camera work in it. I mean, there's there's some really creative um, uses of the camera, and I listened to an interview that Jeff Nichols did where he talks about that. About mm. there's always a right place to put the camera, and the way yeah. the way he talked about use of the camera as an element in storytelling was really really thoughtful and interesting. I could I could definitely see that as a consistency throughout this movie. Now, I'm not familiar with uh, with any of his other movies. I've I've not seen the, the one that's only coming to mind right now is Mud and uh, I've I've not seen it. I don't recall or am aware that I've ever seen another movie, but his style of directing and cinematography in this movie is very distinct. Yeah, I mean he's a um... He's a really interesting filmmaker, and he's he's on the radar of like major like hmm. like DC and Marvel both tried to recruit him to make uh, comic book movies, and he's refused to do it so far. Now that would be very interesting because I I would say if I were to put a a, a style on his camera placement and directing style, it seems very natural. You know, it's just like this is where you'd walk into a room, and this is what you would see, and understand what's going on. But Jamie, this we're not uh, a a really high-minded <laughs> podcast here, and, and and I know we're getting into this a little bit. Let's let's start off uh, since we've got a few thoughts out of the way here. What's your grade of this movie? I know we were discussing a moment ago about having a little bit of trouble with the grades. I had a lot of trouble with my grade um, because I mean I'm as an aspiring writer. I mean plot matters a lot to me, 
mm-hmm. and I need a coherent plot. And and there's part of me that appreciates that he doesn't over-explain things, but I think he may go too far. And so there's 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 parts of the plot that that don't really hold together. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. I and so I so that. I so that kind of gnaws at me a little bit. It bothers me. <clears throat> but the movie is so beautiful, and the music is so just so weird and moody and and now I want to jump in here and say I would like to commend them for not throwing the cliche out and throwing the old CCR song in there. <laughs> yeah, uh, they did it at the credits, but they they didn't use it one time in the movie, which was which was nice. Yeah, um, I I kind of like a slow paced movie, mm-hmm. uh, kind of slow and thoughtful. I mean, it's, and it's really moody. It's got a contemplative feel to it. Mm-hmm. But the plot's weird. Yeah. But I but I love the characters so much, and I love the story of the 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 main character, the main characters. So I'm gonna give it an A minus. A minus. But but I waffled, man. I'm like I'm honestly I'm not sure if this is one of the best movies I've ever seen, or just one of the weirdest, and maybe not even really that good a movie. I, I really I've really went back and forth a lot trying to figure out a grade on this thing. So I'm, I'm gonna settle on an A minus. A minus. I can I can see that, and I and I, as I was saying earlier, also I kind of waffled. A, B, B minus. I'm going to uh, go back to our consistency that we had had in the past where I'm going to give the lower grade. I'm going to go with a <laughs> solid B, right right middle and B. Uh, it's, like you said, it's a beautiful movie. Uh, it flows. I love that, like you said, the pacing is not beat you over the head. <gasps> Let me catch my breath. You've, you've got time to kind of ponder. And you need that time to ponder in this movie, even from the opening scene of the, uh, you know, the Amber Alert on the screen. And you're going, what is going on? And then it goes to this, you know, cult service. And you're like, and and then, you know, from there, you know, the FBI can just like, what is going on here? And, you know, you see uh, this this dad and this kid and you're finding out the relationships and how they work together because you're just dropped into this thing. Yeah. You're just it, it feels like you thing. start really at the third act of a movie and not the first act. Like you, right. you, feel, you feel like you're at the very end of the story. Yeah. Or, or at least, you know, or at least just past the middle point, yeah. you know, you're, you're pretty far in into events occurring, you know, when you and they don't, this they don't take the trouble up. to explain it. The, I mean, no, you, you've got to pick it up as you go along. You've got to draw it out. You've got to look at this and, And this is a movie that makes you think. This is a movie that makes you look at the relationships between the different people. Uh, And I thought that was really beautiful, too. The relationships are one of the things that I really took away from this movie. Uh, You know, uh, Roy, Michael Shannon's character, the dad, his friend Lucas. I'm going to jump right now and say Alton instead of Alton. Um... And and I'll tell you why in just a moment. But but the young boy Alton, uh, you know his relationship and the way he reacts with things. And this movie probably has a little bit more grabbed my attention a little bit more because my dad's name was Roy. This movie ha- this movie has my family in it. My dad's name was Roy. I have a son named Alton and a son named Lucas. And that's why I'm going with the Alton pronunciation. They about killed me with Alton. But then again, it was a beautiful movie. I, I wonder uh, if that would I, annoy you. I truly enjoyed it. Truly loved it. And uh, so, what, what were the what were the big knocks? Because a, a B grade. I'm, I wonder what what were your sort of your big problems with it? Not not that B's a bad grade. No, B's, B's a great grade. Um, I don't think that the 
that the studio may be during the editing process or um, even the production really knew what they were making. I, I still don't think they know. I know I said that earlier, kind of joking, but but I mean, is this a on the run movie? Is this a science fiction movie? I mean, is, is it this, a superhero origin? Yeah, superhero origin. Is it is it Cocoon with an eight year old? You know. Yeah. Close, in, close encounters with yeah. a better ending. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just kind of a th- – there was a bit of a stretch. Yeah. I feel that that wasn't quite attained. Um, they, I mean, now, listen, if you want to swing, swing big. If, if you want to hit it, you know, swing for the fences. But I, I think they just fell slightly short mm. um, with, with achieving a, a clarity in what they were trying to say. But yeah, I think they. Uh, sorry about that. My phone just decided to uh, explode. Uh, that was the five-second warning. But uh, anyway, <laughs> I think they were trying. They, uh, you know, didn't quite achieve what they were setting out to say. And uh, Jeff Nichols would agree with you. In the interview I listened to, uh, oh, that he really? did. He talked about some. He he mentioned them, like explained some scenes that he felt like he could have done better. Or he felt like he'd like missed. Yeah. So it was, it was kind can, of interesting. We, we I, may get, I, I may mention that when we get to it in the outline. Well, well, I can kind of see that. And you know, another thing that I really loved is the advertisements for this movie. They were very intriguing, but didn't really give you a clue of what was going on. And that's another reason that I kind of said, maybe they don't know what they're selling here. Which, I mean, this is an this is an independent movie. And so there wasn't a lot of money for anything. I mean, the entire budget for this thing was like under $20 million. And it was shot in 40 days, which is just so fast. And so, I mean, there probably wasn't a big marketing budget. So they, they had to be really what what little they did had to be on point. Right. Okay. Well, um, since we've got kind of our opening thoughts out of the way, Jamie, you want to jump into this synopsis here? Absolutely. And okay. This is, now, did you did you have the expertise assistance of your archivist researching wife <laughs> on this, or are we going to be in the doghouse again? Well, um, we're doing this under protest. Um, she she has logged her complaints. And yes, we're going with our, our world-famous Wikipedia plot summary, which we have some problems with this time. We'll, we'll, we'll address it when yeah, it comes up. Yeah, we're going to get in there. Yeah. Um, maybe Wikipedia is not always right. Well, as long as she doesn't boycott, I'm in the, the Gene Simmons approach that no press, that, that you know, any press is good press. Well, she admitted to me today that she's never actually listened to the show. Oh. <laughs> so we may be completely off the hook. I'll just stop telling her where I'm getting just the plot summary. Just stop telling her. I mean, she's not listening. I mean, don't even bother. <laughs> oh, yeah, honey, great show. Oh yeah, I spent so many hours this week <laughs> writing writing up the plot summary myself. Okay. So I'll read uh, part one here, and then we'll start breaking it down. Um, so part one: in a motel, Roy Tomlin and his friend Lucas watch an Amber Alert for eight-year-old Alton or Alton Meyer, and is reported to Doctor Roy while the boy reads on the floor. At the ranch, a religious cult in rural Texas, Pastor Calvin Meyer dispatches two of his parishioners to retrieve Alton. He then faces his congregation as the FBI storms their church. NSA communications analyst Paul Sevier asked Calvin how numbers sent via encoded satellite transmissions made their way into his sermons. Calvin explains that, that Alton speaks in tongues and gave the numbers to Calvin. As Alton's powers grew, his mother Sarah abandoned him, and members of the ranch have been raising him with Pastor, Pastor Meyer as his adoptive father. It is also noted in this sequence that Roy is Alton's bi- biological father. That is a big chunk of There's so much going on, There's man. There's a ton going on there. 
Um, and, you know, you see them in this hotel room and, you know, Lucas, Joel Edgerton, is armed. You know, he's putting the gun. Yeah, that was very careful they did that. He, very, you see him, like, stuffing you know, a knife. And, very Jack Burton-esque, putting a knife in his boot. Knife in his boot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He must have seen Big Trouble also. <laughs> Big fan. But yeah, you see, you know, they're they're getting the uh, the the cardboard off the windows. Yeah. They're they're packing up in a certain way, and uh, you know, the and we don't find out why they do that for over half the movie. Yeah. Now I uh, was kind of had got this movie started as we were settling down to watch it, which was a big mistake. <laughs> Let me tell you. So I missed <laughs> a lot. Yeah, movie. I missed a lot of the Amber Alert. So once I'm sitting down, I'm like, oh, they're talking about him. So there is a significance, guys, to that first little bit. So yeah, I was yeah I was finishing up popcorn and sodas you know on the table and uh you know sitting down and like wow you know it took me a second to catch up even to the first scene yeah but, th- but there's a lot of careful filmmaking going on there like ha- like not even n- nobody's talking they're not commenting on things you just see the thing on the screen mm-hmm. his face shows up but it's different hair he's a lot he's a lot younger in that picture yeah, so maybe you lot. might even miss that it's michael shannon you know mm-hmm. you subtly see him stuffing the gun in his belt like it's kind of in the shadows you can it's, barely it's see it. setting up the dynamic yeah. in the relation without even like you said without even saying a word just just showing you and telling you and, this is what these guys and alton's are. under a blanket with a thing over his head with those earmuffs on his ears earmuffs with the goggles, and reading comic goggles. Books. i mean it's and they don't explain it no yeah it's just but, and you know what? And a lot of a lot of directors wouldn't be confident in our in, in the viewers that we that we would be able to catch up. They would over explain. There'd have been a mm. lot of exposition in that. You scene. had to have Morpheus come out and do some exposition. <laughs> well, if you've got Lawrence Fishburne, exposition's okay. I mean, yeah. Well, this is true. <laughs> but but he but he trusts us, right? He trusts that that his viewers are smart enough to follow yeah. along, and they don't they don't have to explain everything in detail. That's a great thing I'm loving with the lower budget, more independent movies coming out of Hollywood right now, because it seems like every big budget thing is just beating you over the yeah. head. Feel this way, experience this way. This is how it is. This is what's happening, and this is letting you interpret and figure out on your own. Okay, are they got the ear? Because I was thinking they had the earmuffs and the goggles on to protect him from the Amber Alerts that he was being, you know, sheltered from. Possibly, when we find out later on, it's completely different. Yeah, there's. I mean, and I just, I just, I love that he does that that way, though. I mean, a lot, a lot of movies. I mean, there would be just so much exposition, and there's barely any barely dialogue any in that scene. And then it cuts straight to the ranch. Yeah. Um. In the, uh, in the, I guess, quote unquote, pastor's office. Yeah. Uh, he's dispatching the, the, uh, his two parishioners. Which, which I like. I like how they play with the. the I think Sam Shepard's the actor's name. Oh yeah. They kind of oh, play yeah. with that. Whether, whether he's this corrupt guy that it's all, you know, fake. Or whether he's actually a true believer, because later in the movie, when he's being interviewed by uh, Kylo Ren, he seems really sincere, like mm-hmm. he really believes this stuff. Yeah, and he's not, and he's not a fake or a fraud. Yeah, it's at, interesting. At first, you think, and once you go into the the sanctuary, you know where he's holding yeah. the service, you think, oh, he's just got these people taking him for their money, labor, whatever. Yeah. And like you said, you find out later, it is. You know, he's a true believer. And the the uh, scripture, quote-unquote scripture reading, really threw me because it's like coordinates and just almost gibberish. You I, know? I thought, is this some kind of lottery cult? I mean, is this and a they, bingo cult or something? And they pull out, you know, they pull out, you know, a, a reading from the date, you know, and yeah. it's it's a date that, uh, that Alton has had one of these visions and, uh, you know, exposited the, the information he was gathering. But, yeah, that was very interesting. 
but then then they get on so they so they've they've cut to that scene but they, then they cut back to them on the road mm-hmm. and uh, lucas is driving and they hear over the because he's, he's got a he's got like a, a cop police scanner, scanner. A, a police scanner i'm um, going and they hear that they've been identified mm-hmm. and so they get off on the side road and the sun goes down I loved that transition so into yeah, it was great. Kill the lights. Yep. He reaches under the dash, undoes the wires. He's he's rigged this car up, puts on the uh, night, night vision, vision and yeah. driving in pure black in a hot rod, and they're flying. I mean, it was kill the flashlight, Alton. And you start wondering, like, okay, who are these people? Yeah. I mean, what are these guys? Yeah. I is, mean, is this guy special forces, yeah. or is he just yeah? Are these doomsday cultists? Yeah. You, know, you don't I mean, know, and you don't know anything. I mean, there's been some like, some kind of like nice, you know, a, a little bit of back and forth with um, General Zod and his kid, um, and a, f- a few little terse comments between him and Lucas, but there's not been much discussion. They're just whipping out not not vision goggles and you know. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're not crude or rude to each other. They're no. not mean to each other. Curt to the point. Uh, you see the relationship with you know, like you said, with Roy and Elton, the dad and the son. You know, it's really genuine. You really feel the, the the love there. I feel. Yeah, yeah. You get right off the bat that that really does care for this kid. This isn't your normal sort of like kidnapping type plot. Yes. This isn't just some kid they've got grabbed for ransom or something. And that he really does care for this boy. Now we don't learn until the very end of this this section of the movie that that he's actually his father. Um. But you you can tell there's a real relationship there. Mm-hmm. And um and and Michael Shannon's such as. Unique actor. I was going to say strange. I mean, unique is probably the better phrase. Yeah, I, I would say unique. I, I honestly can say I've not seen him in much that I'm aware of. I have not seen. I know much to your chagrin. I've not seen, you know, Man of Steel where he played General Zod. I did see Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice where you have the dead Zod. And I think Chris. Not Hardwick, his best performance. Well, it says himself. <laughs> I think Chris Hardwick asked him, you know, how he felt playing, playing dead Zod. But uh, the thing that got me with Michael Shannon is I got I was getting him a long time confused with Michael Sheen, an actor that was in that played Zeus in Tron Legacy, and I was like, how in the world is that guy going to be General Zod? And then I and then I realized and made the connections. My crazy little brain connected the dots and realized, oh, I'm talk, looking at two different people. Yeah. But uh, yeah. He's I'm a really good really, actor. I'm really impressed with yeah. the, with what I've, the things I've seen him in, and like we were talking earlier, I mean, he can pretty much tell you a story without really saying anything. You know, with the actions, the, his interaction with Lucas and and Alton there at the beginning. What were your uh, impressions when the FBI showed up at the I, cult? I didn't know what was going on because at first you see those buses rolling up. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, are they are the cult going on a field trip? I mean, what's going on? <laughs> And then, and then you see the FBI guys go up, and then, and they're, then they're talking, and they're telling them to, to get out, you know, you know, you know, casually go out, you know, safely out to the buses. We're taking you out. I'm like, what's going on here? You know, because yeah. I've seen the previews, I and mean, there was something weird about the kid. I mean, that's mm-hmm. why I'm, that's why I bought yeah, the movie. Yeah, that's why you watched. But um, I knew, so I knew something was wrong, weird with the kid, but I didn't. I was mystified as mm-hmm. what was going on. What was going on at this point? How, in the how movie. does the cult fit? In this in this story. Yeah, but I was not expecting seeing the previews. I was not expecting the cult. Yeah. Yeah, I was not expecting the cult. But uh, uh, moving uh, moving us along a little bit, uh, there uh, Roy and Lucas come to a place. They turn the headlights on. Yes. Car broke down in the road. 
Now that, that's the beginning of part two. Do you want me to read that? that? Do you want to read that one? Synopsis two. Okay. Yeah. I can grab that if you if you want real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Let's grab uh, part two here. After a violent confrontation with the state trooper, Roy and Lucas seek cover at the home of Eldon, a former ranch member during the night. An earthquake seems to wreak to wake Roy and Lucas. When they break down the door to Alton's room, they find him linked to Eldon by blinding beams of light directly from his eyes into Eldon's. Roy knocks out Eldon and covers up Alton, who is extremely photosensitive. They take Eldon's van and continue on toward the location that Alton specifies. Members of the ranch seem to know this location, but the FBI is desperately seeking to figure out where the trio are headed. When they stop at a gas station, Alton seems to destroy a satellite, creating a rain of debris crashing down on them. They drive to Sarah Tomlin's house, and she is overjoyed to be reunited with bum, 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 her son. After they watch the news together, Alton explains that he caused the satellite to crash because the police were using it to track him. So you wanted to jump into the uh, the, the accident? Yeah. Yeah, that really upset a precedent in the relationship I feel with Lucas and Roy. How uh, how extreme they were willing to go on this, and I and I know you had spoken before about the cult leader, a true believer. Yeah. You know uh, that was very very interesting. Yeah, and I, and I thought it, it says a lot about um, you know Roy and his relationship with his son. Because the, the, there's a car accident, and, and Lucas jumps out of the car immediately and runs out to check on the person, which is, I mean, so it's some instincts, which we'll explain later. We find out later why his instincts yeah. are, but like the, the, the accident, I mean, the cars are, I don't think they're done moving, mm-hmm. and he's out of the car and running back to check on the folks. So you feel, okay, you kind of scratch your head about him again and get more and more curious about who Lucas is. But So a cop see, hears the accident or something, and he comes up, he jumps out of the car, and he recognizes that they're the people the guys. for the Amber Alert. And so immediately, Roy jumps out of the car. With a shotgun. And says, shoot him. Shoot him. Telling Lucas to shoot the policeman. Shoot the officer. And I'm like, wow. And then he says, Alton's more important. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, so we know from the previews that the kid's special. But the, so you learn right then. That, 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 that For me, that's a really powerful moment because we learn Roy will do anything. Yes. What, where, whatever they're doing with Alton, he will do anything, anything to make to it happen. Yes. Yeah, that was a really a, a really telling scene uh, to the relationship and the limits they would go. And you know, when they go to um, <clears throat> Eldon's house uh, for to, to seek refuge, uh, you find out that he is a former member of uh, the ranch. I think is how they refer. Yeah, to Yeah, they it. never really call it a cult. It's, they just call it the yeah, ranch. It's the ranch. It's always yeah. the ranch. Uh, so he's a former member of the ranch and. Uh, he asked him, "Do you ever miss it?" I thought that was an odd scene. Yeah, that was an odd. Yeah, do you do you ever miss it? And he said, "You know, every day." Very so, much. Very much. Yeah. Very much. And uh, that was really interesting. So that got me thinking. I was like, "Okay, are they placing people? Have they started something years ago, and maybe had this guy come out and had you know and Alton's it, mother, and that's and the movie never, never explained. Yeah. It was never explained. Or is he just a guy that he knows? Because you find out." Um, you know, a little bit later on, I may be jumping the gun here, but you find out later on that Lucas was not no. a member at the ranch. He was Roy's childhood friend. 
and and that Sarah had left the ranch Sarah. or been kicked out. It's not exactly clear. Yeah, that's kind of shady there too. Um, I've watched some of the special features on the DVD. <laughs> so, but it's but it's not in the movie. I'm the, gonna have to borrow this DVD. Um, there's not a lot of special features, but he does like a a, a little uh, sort of vignette on each uh, each of the main characters. Hmm. And so when Jeff Nichols is explaining it, he says that she was excommunicated, that she was uh, kicked off the ranch. But in the movie, it just says she left. And and as we find out, you know, uh, I think it was mentioned in the first synopsis there that the Reverend Meyer is Alton's adopted father. Yeah. yeah so she may have had some issues with that occurring. And so then they were. But they never say that about Elton. Like, he just doesn't live Eldon on the ranch just, anymore. He's just not there anymore. I mean, this could be a long-term plot that he and Roy had set up that he was going to leave and help him when it was time to get out and off the ranch. Or maybe he's an evangelist from the ranch living out mm, to, to evangelize people. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I never thought about it that. It never either. says. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. you know, one thing about the cast of this movie, uh, Jamie, they there's a lot of recognizable faces. Yeah. A lot of recognizable faces, uh, not so much as, oh, there's Tom Cruise. It's like, oh, there's that guy. There's that guy from that thing. Yeah, there's that guy from that thing. Yeah. There's, there's all of those actors in here. Yeah. Even like the uh, the lead FBI agent, who, to my knowledge, has never even given a name. Right. Yeah. He's just but one I, of those faces. I, yeah. You know him from stuff. I'm like, were you like the like the criminal of the week on Law and Order or something? Like, yeah. I know you, but I, I couldn't place him. Right. And, you know, Adam Driver's character uh, is really great, too, because you see him really not fitting in, even in, and I believe he is more uh, Homeland Security or NSA, NSA. I think. Yeah, he's uh, an analyst. He, so I don't think he'd ever been in the field before. Yeah, he doesn't fit in with the uh, with the FBI agents. He or other humans. He doesn't fit in with uh, exactly anybody else <laughs> in this deep south setting. Uh, coming from Texas across, I think he strikes me Louisiana as such a, and Alabama, such an eccentric guy. I don't think he fits in with any anybody. Yeah, because I mean, he, Adam Driver plays him really quirky, really well. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and he's a quirky dude. Like he's very awkward. Like we're in the, in the helicopter, and like the tough army guys looking at him, and he's like he doesn't know what to do, so he just gives him a big thumbs up and a cheesy grin. He's like, oh, dude. Exactly. And listen, as you've learned, if you listen to our uh, most recent Star Wars episodes, we are fans. Oh yeah, of, of Adam Driver. We we are fans, so you'll always, um, always. I don't think I've seen him in anything I've not liked him. I've seen him in a couple things now, and he's always. Yeah, he's great. He, he's a fabulous actor. Yeah, he's and, always delivered. And he's different. Like he's not like like some actors are like, they just show up and say lines. Mm-hmm. Um, they like and they're always who they are. There's not really any acting. It's just charismatic people that just show up and are charismatic in front of a camera. Exactly. Or Adam Driver just. He's a completely he's a different complete person. Different person. I mean, yeah. the guy who was, you know, Paul Savier in this movie, is completely different than the, the guy from Logan Lucky mm-hmm. or Kylo yeah, Ren. Kind of, I mean, yeah. he's just, and he's just, I, I respect that. I mean, because he's, I mean, you would not. He's got some range. He does. He's got range. He, there's a, there's a real. He's got chops, man. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. The more stuff I see him in, the more impressed I am. Okay, what were your thoughts when you seen the bonding with the light beams from eye to eye? It's wild, man. Now they, I think they had, they mentioned it later that yeah. um, because they, they this is much later in the movie, but they say that that's how they got Lucas involved. That he he did the eye thing to to Lucas he showed and Lu- him. he showed him things. Yeah. And then some of the people from the ranch were being interviewed by by Kylo Ren say that like that they communicates comfort to them, mm. but. It's never even actually explained what's going on. No. But Elvin had said early, later later on when he's confronted by Roy 
I, I had I had I to had see to again. See again yeah. I had to see again. So there's something going on there, but the movie does not tell it us what it is. Tells you, yeah. And actually, it's never explained what his powers actually are. Mm-mm. He does things, and the people react to the things he does. There's no discussion of what he's capable of, what he's done in the past, or what he's you know what they think about where his powers come from or what they do. And I, that's kind of a strange thing, you know. That I I, I think I think I like it. But also kind of like, I, what are the rules? I need the rules, man. What what can this kid do? What can't he do? You know, what what are the boundaries? Right. Um, yeah. He. Uh, you know, and as we learn here too, you know, with with the bonding with the eyes and him. What what did, what did you think was going on there? I was like, what is this? <laughs> I, I was with you. I was just like, what is this? But yeah, it was completely a. Okay, we're going to a whole other level here in this yeah. movie. It really took you there. Um, and it almost seemed to them like a drug, mm-hmm. you know, from the culture. I had to see it again. I had to get it. You know, I had yeah. to see it. It's almost like I had to have another hit. Um, you know, so they they knock him out. They take his van, take off, and, uh, you know, back on the run. Stop at a gas station to get some gas. Well, hold on. You skipped one scene I want to mention. Okay, go very, ahead. A very, very quick scene. But right before they leave, Eldon is sitting like tied up in a chair and Roy goes in to talk to him and he's got a gun in his hand and he's saying like, you knew you shouldn't do that. And Eldon's like, I had to. And so the implication is Roy's going to kill him. Yeah. And the guy, he says like, he's like, you know where we're going. If they find you, you'll lead them to us. And, mm-hmm. and they we're led to believe that Roy killed Roy's him. Roy's going to kill him. Yeah. I really totally thought that was an intense that thing. he had killed him yeah. until you, you find out later that he didn't. Yeah. I really thought that. But that's one more of those kind of ratcheting up the tension. There's nothing Roy wants. He'll kill, not only is he going to kill some random state trooper, he'll kill his friend. Mm-hmm. He'll kill the guy who helped him. Yeah. I mean, it, it was kind of an intense scene. Like, there's nothing, there's literally there's nothing, nothing this guy Roy won't do. do for his son. Yeah. It, it really was, really was that. Uh, but then they wind up at the gas station, and you see he's he's reading the Superman comic. And I love I love where Roy mentions it. He's never seen a comic book in his life. And Lucas is like, well, that's why he needs to read it. <laughs> you know, he, he, don't, he don't understand this. And he's like, what's, what, what's Krypton? Why is it Superman's weakness? It's not real, son. You know, uh, that whole, and you see how the type of life he had led, yeah. completely sheltered, completely uh, deified, essentially. Uh, you know, yeah. with, with this uh, ranch situation. And uh, you see him look up and then exit the van with his little swim goggles on, I love. And uh, Roy's on the phone talking to Sarah, Sarah. I believe. And Mary Jane. Yeah, Mary Jane. <laughs> she, she'll always be my Mary Jane. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Roy's on the phone talking to uh, Sarah. Well, we, don't, we don't know that at the time, though. No, you don't. And uh, then this lady comes over and Lucas comes running out of the store, drops the stuff he was going to buy, comes running out of the store. Roy comes running over, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're going to shoot this girl. Yeah. They're going to shoot somebody else, I'm thinking. And or, or they're going to make a scene, and cops are going to show up, and we'll have another chase scene. That, that's I mean, what I was yeah. saying. You know, they're, they're going to do something stupid. Yeah. I didn't expect what, what happened, though. <laughs> no, I totally did not. So, so, he's, so he's staring off into the sky, and... And then suddenly things start falling from the sky. And for and for a movie with with very little budget, I thought these were pretty good effects. Pretty good effects, yeah. Yeah, and so like these, it looks like comets or something. Like you don't know at the time what it is. You don't find out till later what it actually was. Yeah, it looks I didn't like, know if the alien mothership was coming or what. Or if like aliens are shooting rocks at him from the sky. <laughs> right? You don't you don't know. It's just but it, it like it destroys that whole gas station area. Yeah, just 
and and they you know fly out of there leaving all of their you know road supplies inside the gas station. Lucas should have grabbed some of those things, but um, so they get out of there and it's like what's going on? And we don't find out till another 15, 20 minutes later in the movie mm-hmm. that that it was the NSA listening to him. Yeah, and he says it was my fault. I did it. Yeah. Yeah. Later on. Um, so they go from there to Mary Jane's home. Yes, She's they go over, overjoyed to see her son. Yeah, and that was, I mean... That was a beautiful scene. It was. It was a beautiful scene. Very well played. But it was another one of those things where Jeff Nichols played it, you know, he really trusted us. Because there's a lot going on there that would have been these huge discussions in another movie. Yeah. Because we find out that that's Roy's wife. Yes. And that she had left the ranch and that she had bailed on her family two years ago. Because the the cult leader took their son from them, mm-hmm. and that she couldn't stay, so she left. But Roy was able to stay, and that she left over the whole deal, and that Roy let her go. Yeah. To stay there without him, and let another man raise his son. There's a there's so much going on there, and you have to but you have to read it from Michael Shannon's face mostly because there's mostly. not much said. I, I want to say something I'm kind of proud of. I blew my daughter's mind at this point by saying, "Hey, that girl there is the chick from Bring It On." <laughs> She was like, "Really? <laughs> it is." <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a glorious father moment on my on my dad win right there. Um, so yeah, and uh, so as they, um, but there's just so much emotionally so going, on much there. going on there. But there's like, but it's all subtle, like you know, like and he reaches out and touches her hand, out. but she doesn't take his hand. Yeah. And when he shows up, she she he he talks to her about you know what's going on, and she says, "Well, I really missed him." Mm-hmm. holding out, never says really. she misses Roy. Roy yeah. And so there's some tense stuff going on that they never really work out in the movie. No, they don't. They just, let, they just leave it hanging there. But you still see, even in their interactions in this scene and later on, yeah. there is a deep, deep care, deep, deep bond there that, like you said, something is not worked out. Something is not resolved. They have to get through. And knowing that their son is in this situation and whatever's going on with him... Um, you know, you find out, and you find out during this scene also of of Roy's relationship with Lucas. You know how how yeah. they how they get, come along, and we you find know, out that Lucas is a state is trooper. A state, yes, that yeah. was really awesome. She said, "How did you you know how did you get involved in this?" And he said, "You know, he he knocked on my door one night, and then he, and then Alton showed me the, yeah, eye, the I, I forget what I forget what he what, what phrase he used, but he did the eye trick to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he says he showed me, and at, and at that point he's all in, and so he goes to walk away, and she goes, "Well, what what did you do?" I'm a state trooper, right? Which which just shows how committed he is. He, he shot one of his to, fellow of his state brethren, troopers yes, to save Alton. So like they're they're all just all in to, to take care of this kid. Yeah, the the stakes at this point in the movie you can tell are pretty high, pretty ramped up. Um, so as they as they leave, um, there they're all together in her uh, Zuzi rodeo, I think yeah. ninety nine. It's mentioned in the movie. I, I have a quick question for you. Okay. When was this movie set? Yesterday. Or 1978. Mm, I no, not me. It's just weird. Like there's like the like the the time is is so undefined. Yeah. It's, it could be yesterday. It could be tomorrow. Could have been a year ago. Like yeah. they've got smartphones, but the TVs are all like old tube TVs. Mm-hmm. Um, the cars are all from the 90s or the late 70s. Yeah. They're all dressed like they're getting ready to go. You know, to a 
you know, well, I mean, they but, did just leave a cult, Jamie. I mean, well, I'm sure they didn't go to the true. Gap. But you know, but there's like they're, they're dressed like they're from the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just it's just this weird thing. Like there's this weird era thing going on. I'm like, okay. Yeah, it's it's kind of odd. Yeah. Uh, now now wasn't uh, wasn't uh, Adam Driver in a Prius? Yeah. Yeah. See, so I mean, where are we here? Yeah, but it's strange. The, I was I was wondering why they did that. The, the time placement is kind of odd, but I also wonder if they made some of those decisions being from the cult. Uh, from the ranch and you know maybe not as up with current technology uh you know having the OnStar, the the tracking all of the digital stuff we have on our cars nowadays yeah. if if they were still kind of suspicious of those things you know like you said having some of the cars from the from the 90s and, and even 70s well and like um like all the ladies on the ranch were dressed had the, had the long hair but they were all wearing dresses well mm-hmm. sarah who's been away from the ranch for two years. She still had the long hair. She still hair. had the long hair, but she was wearing pants. She, wearing she wasn't wearing the dresses yeah. anymore. And so she's sort of in this weird... I mean, so I, it probably is related to the cult thing, but it was just... It was odd. I'm like, I, I couldn't figure out, like, when is this movie supposed to be set, you know? Yeah. It was interesting. I wonder if there's, like, an intentionality to it, or maybe it's just the budget they had that's what they could afford. I, I don't know. Mm, but that's that's in, that's an interesting view, yeah. Was, was it on purpose, on or, or were they yeah. dealing with their limitations? All right, we move on to part three now? Uh, well, now one thing uh, oh, is this them. where uh, is this where Alton is exposed to the sunrise? No, no, we're not there yet. Okay, we're not there yet. No. Okay, that's what I was thinking of. Okay, yeah. yeah. So they're they're finding out that there is a, a a section in the Florida Panhandle. Yeah. That that everyone's heading toward. So uh, at this point, why don't we go ahead and take a quick break, and uh, we'll come back with the last half of our Midnight Special Review. And welcome back to Nerds of the Round Tables. We continue our review of Midnight Special. We're going to pick up with the second half of the movie here, Jamie. And uh, would you like to go ahead and introduce and read this section? Absolutely. As the fugitives, now including Sarah, continue their trek, Alton appears to be growing sick and weak. He convinces Roy to let him see the daylight, while Lucas and Sarah go ahead to a motel. After witnessing his first sunrise, Alton's eyes begin to glow, and an enormous dome of light surrounds the duo. They reunite with Lucas and Sarah, and Alton is healthy. He explains that seeing the sun helped him realize his true identity. He explains that there is a world built on top of this one, and that he belongs to it. Roy confirms that he briefly saw this hidden world inside the Dome of Light. When they leave the hotel room, they are ambushed by Calvin's trackers from the ranch, who abduct Alton, but are soon captured by the police. The boy is taken to a government facility where he insists that he will only talk to Sevier. After Sevier experiences Alton's powers, he helps reunite him with his parents, having deduced their destination from Calvin's sermons. Sevier warns the fugitives that there is a five-mile security perimeter around the location on the Florida Panhandle. Yeah, now that's a couple things that we kind of glossed over getting to this point is that as as they're traveling, Alton is getting weaker and weaker. Um, And the reason the FBI is after him with all these dates and locations and numbers, the reason that the ranch is after him. Well, that's why the FBI showed up at the ranch in the first place. Yeah. Is they've deduced that those numbers and coded words in – the the past I guess, what was his title I forget the the, the guy the, the the head cult guy on the ranch uh, Reverend Meyer yeah um 
that those things were actually from NSA spy satellites. Yeah, how did you get this information? Yeah. As, they're, as they're interviewing them, how did you get this information that was encrypted, and that, transmitted and, securely? And that's how we get Kylo Ren in the movie, because he's this NSA guy who's, who, who's, the, who's the guy who's allowed to have all that classified information. He's trying to figure out how it's getting there. And so that's how he gets involved. But um, so Alton is just giving all these you know strange numbers off. And the cult and Eldon, which is part of the reason they go to Eldon, is they've, they've used these numbers to figure out that there's a date that's important and a mm-hmm. location. But the cult doesn't understand the location. And Eldon has deduced it in some manner that I'm going to complain about shortly. Yeah, he, he was trying to show Roy the books, and he said, man, I haven't slept in days. I can't. Yeah, and he starts talking about ley lines. Yeah. Uh, we can question the validity. I'm like, dude, ley lines? We're going with ley lines? Wh- whatever. Well, I mean, you're a conspiracy theorist. I yeah. mean, he's probably gotten along with the the Nazca lines as well. But he was right. Yeah. So I'm, I've got more complaints. This, this, <laughs> this is not, I mean, this could have been an A-plus movie for me, except for this gigantic Mack truck-sized hole in the plot. Well, but, I mean, you know, you've got people trying to decipher something that they don't really even understand. I'll, I'll get there. I'll, I'll get there. You'll get there. there okay. there's, there's another scene that connects with this that makes it make even less sense, <laughs> and that really annoys me. That really annoys oh, okay. me. And as much as I love Adam Driver, it's it's one of his big scenes that just drives me nuts. I, I would I would like to talk to Jeff Nichols about his script. I'm like, you've got a big problem here that annoys me. It pulls me out of the movie every time. But So, but, so there's this date. So looming. anyone looking for a script, Dr. Jamie's number is... <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying I can fix your script. I, know, I found some problems. <laughs> I was just being mean. But uh, and so they, so there's this date looming over them, and that's why they've kidnapped Alton at this point because yeah. the date is like what? It's three four, or four days three away. Three or four days away. Yeah. And so Eldon has figured out where they knew the when. Eldon has figured out the where, and so now mm-hmm. they're they, so they go get Sarah, and they're racing toward that now. And on the way there is when you, the scene you were talking about when he gets sick. Yeah. Uh, so as he's progressively getting sicker, and you know, as as we're talking, you know, knots are passing. So you know, you're going from four knots, three knots. You know, so the and it's always at is, night. They don't tell yeah, us why for a long time. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And so you see Alton, you know, look at Roy and Sarah and say, "I need to see the sunrise." Well, this is. I mean, you you, you yeah you you skipped one one little moment there. Oh, I'm, um, okay, I'm skipping. Around. No, it's fine. my bad. It's cool. It's all good. It's okay. Um, but there, he's in the back of the car and he has like an asthma attack type thing. Yes. Yeah, and so he gets sick and the, he they start freaking out, and they stop the car and he gets off onto the shoulder. And what, 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 tell me what. Describe the shoulder. What was up with the grass dying? It's wild, isn't it? Yeah. So so you see this grassy. They're on a median. Slight hillside. Yeah. Well, not a median, the shoulder. Yeah, the shoulder of the road. And, this, yeah, he starts just totally losing it, can't breathe, uh, panicking. And they get him out and they lay him, and the grass from where he is on both sides just starts spreading out and dying. You're like, what is going on? But now wasn't – And Lucas they, freaks out and backs away. Yeah, he, he really – but now weren't they also looking at his signature – before the satellite crashed. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And they found they, his they heat signature. They could see this this heat signature that looked like a yeah. Paul said they figured out was yeah. a nuclear blast, and he said no, that's not a nuclear blast. It's something else. But you know, can and, you track it? Yeah, and so they were tracking. Can we get it. some drones and things. So, yeah. and that's that seems to be what stems and uh, presses on his decisions here yeah. too. But I, I think that I think there's some connection. I, I've I've seen this movie too many times now. But I think there's some connection between him using his powers and it draining him physically. Mm-hmm. 
um, until he t- like he decides I need to see the sun later on. But in, before he sees the sun, I figured it out. He's Superman. He gets his powers <laughs> from the yellow sun. He's Superman. Okay, guys, podcast over. <laughs> But he keeps getting weaker, and I, and I think I haven't. I, I need to go back again. I don't need to do this, but I, I think I think if we went back and watched it again and did like a chart, whenever he uses his powers, he looks worse. Yes, until the point he's on the side of that road and he looks like he's about and to he's die. about to die. Yeah, yeah and Lucas like, keeps to Roy. You know, we need to take him to a hospital and take him to a yeah. hospital. And you know, they talk about you know only bringing him out at night, only keeping. Him, and I was thinking it was because he was hearing. Yeah. The radio waves, interference and stuff, and just the daytime was just too much for him. Yeah. Uh, but it turns out to be something completely different. Uh, so he has a really transforming moment here. Yeah. And um, at some point earlier in his life, he started having trouble with the sun. And even the, the ranch changed their whole way of life to where they kind of shut down the ranch during the day. And even have, they even have their worship services at night. At night, yes. And so so, so he's on the side of the road. Looks, it looks like he's dying. And he sees like another one of those helicopters coming for him, and so Lucas is freaking out. And yeah, and he and he and Roy actually kind of get a little bit of a tussle. Uh, he, yeah. And um, which Jeff Nichols said that was the biggest mistake he made in the movie. Really? That he didn't like how that scene played out. If he had to do it over again, he didn't know how he would fix it. But that scene's wrong. I'll tell you though, with all of the stress that they had put on each other and had I, been through, I, they needed a breaking point at that yeah. at, at that time in the movie. They really needed a point to break. Yeah, but he said that Michael Shannon complained on set. He said, he said, I don't think Roy would be yelling and violent toward Lucas. He said, mm-hmm. I don't think that's their relationship. And uh, Jeff Nichols is like, you know, I think he was right, but I don't know how to fix it. Yeah. He said, I, he said, I don't know if I had to do it again, I don't know what I would do differently, but I would do something different. Yeah, I, I, I could say there really needed to be some some tension release there. I, I thought, I, I felt like it makes sense. It, it really did to me. Because they're, they're at a really fever pitch of, of you know, emotional tension with that whole, the whole, that whole crew, everybody in that car. Yeah, that's so, really, really interesting. But so they, they see the thing coming, and he looks at his dad. And this is just another one of those scenes where Roy will do anything. Mm-hmm. So dad, I need to go that way. And just points at a forest. That way now. Now. And he's like, you two, get in the car and drive away. Yes. He immediately, doesn't even question, grabs his son, runs he into runs the forest. Off. Doesn't ask questions of where are we heading, what are we going to do, just does it. And the other two look, kind of look at, look at each other, just like, oh, gotta go. okay, they get in the car and just drive off. <laughs> That's another one of those scenes where Roy will do he would do anything, anything for Al. Yeah, and he tells him, you know, go this way, go that way, and they wind up in a uh, in a cave uh, yeah. with with some water, and uh, you see Lucas and uh, Sarah wind up at a, at a hotel. Yeah, and they're and they're they're um, <clears throat> got the windows they're covered in windows over. to make it make it safer because he'll, he'll be here tonight. They're expecting him during the night, and um, but I, I wrote down a quote here that I thought was I, I skipped it, but I think it's at Sarah's house. Where Lucas is the first time Lucas tries to get him to go to the hospital, and I, maybe I got the scene wrong, but okay. Roy looks at Lucas and says he will not die. He is meant, meant for, something for something more. Yes. So I just, that's so that's that's driving Roy. Like he really doesn't think <laughs> this kid's not going to die. It may look bad, but if we do what he says, it'll be okay. It'll be okay because he's yeah. meant for something more. Yeah, that really uh, <clears throat> just goes to strengthen you know your view of his faith he is a true Absolutely. true believer in this kid okay. and you know being a parent i mean you know oh, you, yeah. you want to protect your kids you want the best for your kids i mean and to be in this situation you see your kid getting sicker and sicker and worse and worse but then to have that faith and know 
that it's going to be okay. It's going to, you know, it's and going that's to work the, But that's the core of this movie. It's about parenthood. It's it's really yeah. Uh, we we spoke about this earlier, and I thought we were going to get into it later, but yeah, the, the you're heart right. We of this movie yeah. is is that yeah. We'll get more into it toward the end, but yeah. But in and as far as the story, the plot doesn't. I mean, there's some weird stuff in the plot that may not actually hang together. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but I don't care because what I care about is Roy and Alan. Right. And that. Every scene works. Every scene hinges it on all those works, two. and that and that's and that's the heart of it. It's what matters. And I'll tell you, you're you're having Michael Shannon, who's a great actor, but you've got this young boy. I mean, he holds his he own. He really, uh, he really delivered. Um, looking at his IMDb, not really deeply, but he's one of the kids in the, uh, excuse me, in the It movie. There's a lot of t- I haven't seen that movie because I haven't either. I'm scared of horror movies. Well, but uh, Tim Tim Curry's my Pennywise. That wasn't a great show. It wasn't a great show. But, but Tim Curry was Tim a good Curry's movie. great. Yeah. But um, <laughs> we'll, we'll move on. But uh, so now here's my big gripe. Okay. It's it's in it's in this section in of the this movie. Section. Okay. Okay. So Eldon figured out where they were going based on random numbers and ley lines. And ley lines, yeah. Okay. I I was willing to let him go once. Then we see Paul Savier in a room with a giant whiteboard. Where he's just got the random numbers written down. And he's the, got random numbers in that circled. Well, he's like, and so the one guy's asleep and he's like, oh no, I figured it out. And he runs up to the whiteboard and like circles two random numbers. Random numbers. Never says why, what those numbers mean, how they mean anything. Because he just, because he said the whole thing is, this is just random stuff he's hearing off of NSA satellites. They don't mean anything. He's just hearing NSA satellite noise. But suddenly these two random numbers from different sections of the whiteboard He's like, I know where they're going. And I'm like, how? How do you know where they're going? So I between mean, ley lines and a random numbers on a whiteboard, two different people figured out in different hello. ways. Hello, his grandfather Darth Vader told him. <laughs> but every time that happens, like, I, I go with Eldon, I'll give you one. Okay. Sure, ley lines, <laughs> whatever. But when he's I know where they're going. I'm like, how? That was a bit of a stretch. It pulled me out of the movie. Yeah, that was a bit of a stretch to advance the plot. You know, to get him yeah. to that point, that was a bit of a stretch there. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, it was tough. Like, every time I, I, I want to pause the movie and yell at it for a second <laughs> before I you know, let it play the rest of the movie. But it, it, it frustrates me. I'm like, this is dumb. I'm like, right. this is a good movie. I love this movie. <laughs> this part of it's dumb. Well, you know, there's, it, it, it's so great. Everywhere else. And like I said, this was one of those parts where they stretched and didn't quite attain. Yeah, it felt like it was a shortcut. Like, yeah. we, we need to get everybody heading toward this location. And here's how to get Kyler in here. Yeah. And so that, it really feels like it's just a really quick shortcut they made to get everybody where they needed to be for the drama yeah. of the finale. But that scene drives me crazy. It was it was a, yeah, it was was kind of a odd thing. But continue, please. Okay, so... Um, so after that scene, um, they so we 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 last see him with Roy in that cave with Alton, mm-hmm. and Alton convinces him. You know, it tells him takes it takes him convincing. It's the only time Roy hesitates. Yeah, because Alton's like, I need to see the sun. See and Roy's like, Well, no, it'll hurt you. He's like, you can't do that. You can't see the sun. And it, he doesn't put up much of a fight because Alton convinces him pretty quickly, and they go out and watch the sun come up, and the Alton's eyes start glowing, and then this bubble happens huge intensity of glowing and you can tell it's really i mean the the emotion he's you know roy's holding alton alton's holding roy and they're yelling and tightly and ah the earth is shaking yeah everything's going crazy but they don't show us 
what happens. Because as soon as the bubble blows up, the scene cuts. And you zoom way out. Yeah, and we don't see what they see. We don't see what happens down. And you just see the big bubble over the Gulf Coast. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, so the next scene is they show up in the hotel room. And they freak out. Because it's the middle of the day. It's the middle of the day. It's like 3, it's 3 p.m. He shouldn't, how are they what, here? What is, what's he doing out? And so so we see Lucas and uh, Sarah freak out. And then they come in and Alton's in the best Perfect. health we've seen him in the whole movie. Yeah. And he's done a character flip. Because before he's been really reserved. He's been quiet. He's been under the goggles with the earmuffs on. And, and now he is well-spoken, authoritatively speaking. Yeah. And very decisive. And he's in charge. On the next few steps happening. Yeah. Very decisive on the next few steps happening. Yeah, the, 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 the team dynamic has shifted. I mean, Roy has been the driving force up until that point of the movie. And from basically the second Alton convinces him in the cave that he has to see the sun, Alton's in charge the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. And he's given the orders. And um, Yeah, and if you don't see, if you don't see that transformation with him... There, what happens next uh, doesn't make any sense. And you won't buy it. You no. won't believe it. No, you won't, you won't believe that. So as they are exiting the hotel room. But do you, do you remember what he says in the hotel room, though? I've only got, yeah, go ahead. He, he tells them, as I know what I am now. Oh, yeah. He, say, he, he does this explanation of there's a world on top of on top our world. Of our they world. share our space. Yeah. And they're always watching us. He's like, I'm one of them. Yeah, and so now you're thinking with this cult, is he an angel? Is he an alien? Is he an intradimensional thing? You, and, and we're still kind of trying to figure out what is going on here. Yeah, and, uh, and, and the background of the whole movie so far has been these two guys from the ranch that, the, that Pastor Meyer sent after them to bring mm-hmm. him back to make sure he's there for you know, that, the date that they know is looming. Right. And they show up now. And they show up to Eldon's house. Yeah. And then they show up. We find out that Roy didn't kill Eldon. That Roy didn't kill Eldon. Yeah, that was a that was a very redeeming moment. Yeah. For him with Mia, and you find out he didn't kill Eldon. He shows up at Sarah's mom's house. Yeah. And uh, you know, as, as they're tracking. And they don't show us what happens there. No, they don't. I was kind of I was kind of curious about that. And they that did I miss it or did they never? Is that what they, was never, they never explained? It. Okay. They never showed. They never explained. Well, wow. Once she says who who she is, and he asks if mm-hmm. that's are you Sarah's mother? Yeah. They cut. We don't know if they killed her, if it was torture, or if they asked nicely. Yeah, because you see, it's even left to our with, imagination. Even with Eldon, they weren't very kind to. No. And then, and then you see here in the scene where they ambush. Yeah. Lucas and Roy coming out of the hotel. Well, they just shoot him. Yeah. And they don't. Which actually, there's a little bit of a plot problem there because we see we see Lucas get shot in the stomach and he goes down like he's dying and then he's not shot for the rest of the movie. Well, he had a bulletproof vest on. Did he have a vest on? Yeah, you see him. I don't know if you caught that, but with him being an officer, he put the vest on. And I, I think it was okay. I didn't catch that. The stomach. I thought it was more. Now, no, Roy gets shot in the shoulder. Yeah. And I think he got hit kind of in the upper breast region as well. That makes sense. You see him go down, and it's one of the things that I am glad they did in this movie, because in any other movie, a guy puts on a bulletproof vest and gets shot, where he just keeps walking. Yeah. You know, you get to see in this movie, you know, you get shot with a bulletproof vest. You're still taking an impact. Yeah. You're still getting. Well, he was down for the rest of the scene. Yeah, he was he was out of it for quite a while. I thought they had missed up a a detail. No, he had he had the vest. Okay, that makes sense. You see later. Yeah, you see later. uh, He he looks. They look at the vest when they're putting it on Alton. 
right. later on uh, right. they uh yep. were jumping ahead but you see the the place in the in the armor when they're yeah. putting it on Alton. But they uh, but they but they get out and away from Sarah. They've shot Roy and zip tied him to the railing outside. They've Mm -hmm. zip tied Lucas Lucas to the railing. railing. And And they get away. They've tied Sarah to the handrail in the bathroom. Yeah, but she gets free. She breaks it off the wall. But the big thing is, is they get out and they get away with it. They get away, yeah. And Roy is freaking out. I mean, his marbles. They get in the car, he gets cut free, and he is just, you can see it. I mean, Michael Shannon is such a good actor. You can see it all over his face. Just the The anguish. Yeah. And the and the yeah and the panic and the fear and the anger it's all over Michael Shannon's face, and and it was some really great acting as they as they pursue them, and they get caught up in the traffic accident. Yeah, they get they and get to the, like oh what are we going to do now? And they get stopped at a roadblock by uh, by soldiers, which is weird. You would think policemen, not soldiers, mm-hmm. right? And they get stopped there, and they order him back on the road, and he is so emotionally but how quick did they did the soldiers set up that perimeter after yeah. that accident yeah it's because Xavier's tracking him with that heat signature and mm-hmm. we find out that they've stopped the guys in the truck and they've got Alton so now that so now it's went from the ranch having Alton to the, to the government government has Alton. has Alton yeah and then we see once again we see Alton really embracing his power because they've got him in that weird room which they don't explain. He's hooked up to something he's, beside he's him. He's hooked up to an HP laptop it. sitting on the floor beside him, it looks yeah. like. Yeah, and he refuses to answer any questions unless it's Mr. Sevier yeah. alone. And so everyone leaves because they're like, we don't know what we're going to do. Do your job. Get the information. Okay. And everybody leaves, and you see Alton start to exhibit his superheroes, his superpowers. But but he's he's shifted now. Because before, he's kind of been reacting to stuff. He's more actively doing things yes. now. Because um, remember, he's seen the sun now. He's healthy again. And he feels like he's kind of embraced his power now. Mm-hmm. Because he's, So Paul tries to talk to him through a glass wall, like a mirror type thing, like one of those police mirrors. Yeah. And Alton freezes the TV screen beside him. And then he stands up and the TV doesn't change. So Alton can reach out and can control that kind of stuff now. And then he unlocks the electronic security door and and it opens. And he walks in. And Paul Safey, he's freaked out. I love how Adam Driver plays that scene. He kind of inches forward, leans really far away from Alton, like I did from the microphone. Sorry about that. But and, uh, yeah, he's he approaches him with like one leg and one hand. I love yeah, it. I love how we just kind of the the acting, even as so close down to you know the body languages and yeah. interactions with small things, is so expertly executed in this movie. Yeah, I, I would hire Jeff Nichols as a, just as a consultant to help me cast movies. Mm. If I couldn't afford to hire him or convince him to direct my movies, I'm like, will you please help me cast my movie because mm. it's, it's so good in this movie. Yeah, he he got the right people for these roles. He really did. And where, where does this bring us to, Jamie, in our synopsis here? Okay, um, so so um, Sevier helps out and escape, and so they've they've left the government facility because Alton can do anything now, and he shuts down all the electricity and all of the everything on a on a um, army base, and so and he's convinced Paul because he does the eye trick to Paul, mm-hmm. so Sevier sees the blue eye trick thing. And so now he knows what's what. And everybody who sees that is all in on Alton. And so they, they leave, and Alton unlocks a car and gets in it, and Sevier drives away in drives the car. Away, yeah. And um and so he takes him and they he he calls Sarah and um Roy and Lucas. 
Yeah, yeah. Meet me After here. Roy tries to commit suicide, or at least is contemplating it. Meet me here in four hours. Yeah, and so they, they so that's that's the end of this section of the movie. Is <clears throat> Paul takes him there, and one of my favorite interactions in the whole movie is, you know, Sefi, he he gives out to them and asks if he can go with them, because that that's how that's how in he is already. He wants to go with them. He's already told them like, no, you're not going to get through, but can I go with you? Because it's like I told them where you're going. The government knows it's going to be a five-mile security ring around security. this thing. You're not going to make it in, but can I go with you? And Jamie, this is one of our favorite scenes in the movie, <laughs> as as he's reuniting them with the family, and he says, "Hey, are those handcuffs?" I love it. Here, handcuff me. And he just would it be too much to ask for you to punch me in the face? <laughs> and Luke it. is just dead stares him like, really? So, so if I don't get really? to go, let's at least make it look like look you like all I stole tried. the kid from me. <laughs> Just looks like I tried something. Shoot me uh, at least in the leg. <laughs> you know, yeah. It would be too much to punch me in the face. And Lucas is like, really? I'm not doing this. Are you, he's like, you can tell he's like, he's the, he's the tough, like, tough guy cop. Kind of looking down his nose like, at this little nerdy, really you know, guy. NSA analyst guy. Like, <laughs> whatever, dude. Yeah. And so that's that's where this section of the movie uh, leaves. And it's all been building to yeah. this big grand finale at the end. Yeah. And um, the grand finale, we'll go ahead and read part four here. <clears throat> Roy barrels through a roadblock driving inside the perimeter as the army scrambles to chase them Alton and Sarah exit the car and run into the woods Roy and Lucas lead the army on a wild goose chase while Alton and Sarah reach the edge of a swamp there Alton creates a dome of light that engulfs much of Florida and surrounding states everyone inside it can see the futuristic structure of a parallel world Eventually, other beings of this world gather around Alton and the entire dome disappears, taking Alton with it. Roy and Lucas are arrested. Lucas is interviewed by the FBI. He tells them the story, but they are unsatisfied. Sevier then enters to interview him, with Lucas the only one aware of Sevier's previous involvement. Sarah cuts off cult traditionalist hair braid in a local gas station. Roy incarcerated and wearing an what's that word? Electroencephalography. Yes, that one. Device watches the sunrise. And I'm going to stop right there. I'm not going to read that last little bit. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, this is the, the, the grand finale here and things are building and building and building to this fever. Yeah, pitch it, that's happening here, and as you see, as they go, you know, I, I spoke earlier. They, they put the bulletproof vest on Alton, and he's and as they're driving through, they're even close to the perimeter. And he says, "Go this way, go that way, turn here." There's less officers, you know. There's less officers down here for us to get through, and they go through and they start to chase. And they take him off to the side, and he says, "Stop here, take me that way." And him and Sarah get out the car. Yeah, they drive through the big roadblock running. though first. Yeah. yeah, they drive through the roadblock, get them chasing him. Yeah. They get a little bit ahead, and yeah, that's when him and uh, Alton and Sarah take off through the car. And you're just wondering, like, what in the world is going on? And it's a really beautiful plan because they cut across country. Yeah. While everyone is chasing this vehicle. Yeah, they they, they couldn't imagine. Like, and I you understand it. Like, there's no way they're letting the kid out. Yeah. But um, but Alton and Sarah get out and they, run, they once again run randomly into some forest. That only Alton understands what's going on. And Roy and Lucas lead them on a wild goose chase. Yeah. And they're a complete decoy. And I, I love that moment right before they get out. 
Um, right, right after Alton gets out, and he's running, he stops at the edge of the woods and looks back. And Roy leans around Lucas, and you can see that emotional moment there. There's nothing really said. They connect. But yeah, there's that emotional moment. He knows he's saying goodbye to his son. Mm-hmm. And after all he's done, all he's been willing to do, the lengths he's went to, he has that last moment with his son, and then he drives away. Well, once again, another sacrifice for his son. Another thing he's doing for Alton because he loves him so much. Yeah, it's a really is. It's a, a powerful moment. Really, really, really powerful. This this particular part, and then you see some things start happening. You see, the the dome start to appear. The energy coming from him. You see the uh, the. Choppers and this time we get to see in it. Yeah, and we see what's going on. And uh, as they're running, they've run over. They've got flats on the vehicle. He says, you know, this is getting, things getting hard to handle. Lucas says, it's going to get a lot harder when that rubber comes <laughs> off the wheel. You yeah. know, because he's running on the rim, uh, getting, uh, you know, keeping these guys busy. And then you see, uh, you know, these grand structures. Yeah. Uh, these uh, flowing architects. Because he, he had said when he explained where he was from in the hotel room that there was another world on top of our world and that they were always watching us. And so, so somehow they share a space with us. Now, Alton doesn't explain it, and Jeff Nichols doesn't feel the need to either, <laughs> but, uh, but somehow they're sharing a space yeah. with us. He, we, we haven't seen that yet. But once he starts glowing, his eyes start glowing. His eyes start glowing, his chest glows. His yeah, hand, yeah, and suddenly there's these structures that appear. Mm-hmm. And at first we just see it in the field with them. We just see like this, like these steps going up into this, stone structure i'm not sure yeah you really don't know if this is like you said you really can't tell whether it's is it is it masonry is it uh, yeah you know, it's weird is it cement is it stone and is there's it clearly glass and steel glass, in other places wood you yeah. know polished uh you know things so but at first we just different. see it in the field but then what happens after that yeah you remember they start showing other places other places and, are the, seen and the bubble this time is, is huge. huge yeah and so other people are seeing it now. Yeah. So there's, like a, there's like a supermarket or something, and there's like... It's right behind. Right yeah. behind them. It's like in the same space, but they've kind of built around, around yeah. our stuff. It's like on, but not on, and yeah. in and around. Yeah. And there's a like a... Like it's a, almost like I said, that interdimensional thing. It's like just outside, of just underneath our space. Or what, now, what was going with the skyscraper? There was some kind of something like yeah. built around us. I couldn't tell what exactly there, was going well, on now, there. Now, there was a... Uh, I couldn't tell if that was a skyscraper in a city or if it was a structure from that dimension being shown. I, I, I wasn't but it sure. was kind of interweaving yeah. and and over top of and and you could almost see some mirroring of architecture almost. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with with ours and that dimension, whatever was going on. There. Yeah, it's interesting, and it's interesting too that they're clearly energy-based creatures because some of them show up yeah. and interact with that in a little bit, and but they live in these. Physical structures that somehow exist on our planet, but like on another, not, yeah, on another wavelength or something. Yeah, it's kind of odd. And how he got to be here is never, you explained. know, is never really explained. What is he? What brought him into our world? It's something that is not explained. Yeah. Um, you know, and I can see that annoying a lot of people. Yeah, I could because there's really. so much. And I, I'll just, I'm not, I'm not. She's never gonna listen to this, so it'll be okay. My wife doesn't enjoy this movie. Oh, there's parts okay. of it she likes, yeah. but there's all of the unexplained things, the things you're just supposed to roll with. She can't roll with them. Like mm-hmm. there's like nothing's explained, and like like how they forgive Sarah, and that she's she's like my, my she's a mom. She's like I c- she couldn't have done what Sarah did mm-hmm. to leave her son there. 
Yeah. And then and then that Sarah's the one that gets to see all this instead of Roy. Bothers mm. my wife. Oh wow. That Sarah's the, the one that gets she... to see him off and yeah. say goodbye and see the explanation of the whole mystery. Well, and Roy very, doesn't get to. That's very very interesting. I know uh, my 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 wife has a disease uh, about about 30 minutes 40 minutes into a movie she's out <laughs> um i think we had uh we watched a, a few movies that we've had to go like two or three times okay so what's the last thing you remember honey <laughs> and you know I, was, I really want to see this so and this is one of those movies that, and we did granted watch it kind of late at night and uh my my daughter was up and she you know hung with me through the whole movie she was up and, and her exact words were well, that was weird. That <laughs> <laughs> was her exact quote to me. Well, very that accurate. Weird. Very accurate. Yeah. So, so after we see all this stuff, and I, I like how that they showed everybody seeing it. Like there's mm-hmm. people coming out of the supermarket that can see and, and they, they, they the soldiers. The and they look up. Uh, yeah, and the soldiers that were chasing Luke and Roy don't go grab him. No, because they're, they're, they're looking up at looking the sky at too. What is going on? Yeah, here. yeah. So everybody knows now. That there's something going on. Mm-hmm. And and all at once, in a split second, it all disappears. disappears. Like the, and that, it's the only place I think I think where the budget shows. It looked kind of rough. When that bubble collapses, mm-hmm. you could tell it wasn't the best CGI. I mm-hmm. mean, it, lo- it looked like something from a DC movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it... it uh, I mean, mean, you know, some of the things, but, you know, showed there, but yeah. That, that was, was the only time I felt, I felt like the budget showed. Yeah. That didn't look great. But that was still... I mean, a beautiful piece of storytelling really clearly lets you know what was happening, even though we have no clue what was really happening. But uh, and you know, originally, the event that was the end of the movie. Really, there was nothing after. Oh, that. I'm so glad. Yeah, that, that's where Jeff Nichols there. wanted to end the movie. Wow, I'm that, so glad they didn't because I really appreciate these next few scenes. Yeah, uh, when you see Sarah chopping off the hair, taking a new start. My wife was know. mad about that too. Really? Yeah, she's like the lady that bails on her whole family. She's the one that gets to stay free. free. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And the uh, the interview with Lucas, I thought was really probably my favorite ending scene here. That that interview with Lucas, he's talking to the FBI agent, and he's like, I don't know how many times I can tell you the same story. It's not going to change. And I like how he points to the two guards in the room. Yeah. Because clearly the guy interviewing wasn't in Florida when it happened. Right. Just ask them. Ask them yeah, the they saw it were too. There. Yeah. And then when, uh, and then when Mr. Sevier comes in, I like how, like, he recognizes him, but like, also, like, you know, I'm gonna cover for you. Pal. He's like, yeah, okay, yeah. We, we've we've got your back here. You yeah. Know? And, and the, he and, talks to him like he never knew him. Yeah. Yeah. And he, then we see the last scene, which is, ah, uh, there's some debate, I think, about what's going on here. It's Roy is incarcerated. He's in leg chains. He's in some kind of jumpsuit. Um, and he's staring off into the distance. Now, I took this as a view of I'm at peace. I knew what what my son needed. I accomplished the fact I'm at peace is the way I took his expression and interaction there. I read it differently. Okay. And, there, and, there, and there's a third response that's flat out wrong. But um, we're going to get to that one. My my view is is that he feels Alton's presence. Yeah. Because if you remember, Alton's in a world that's on top of this world, and he tells them they're always watching us. And so I think somehow he knows that Alton is watching him. That Alton is with him, like on another on another wavelength of existence or something. But Alton's with him. I can see that, yeah. uh, and you know, 
even with with my view of that, you know, the the feeling of peace and yeah. accomplishment, you know, I, I help my my child attain. Well, they're not mutually know. exclusive. Yeah. We, we could both be right. Yeah, the third is, view is wrong. Though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is true. But you know, and this goes back to you know our views or that we were just expressing here goes back to the uh, view of this movie being a family drama, being yeah. a, a you know, I know. Allegory is too strong a word, yeah. but kind of a narrative of, you know, standing by your children, equipping your children, going through these difficult times that they all have. And and, and having to prepare our children to be released. Because mm-hmm. the, the goal of parenthood is to prepare your child to leave you. Yes. And to be able to handle it. And that's what this real movie is really. It's, it's not an allegory. I, I flirted with that, but it's not. It's not an allegory. But it's, it's the strong theme. It's what this movie is about. Mm-hmm. It's about parents going through the struggles of preparing their children and preparing ourselves to let our children go. Yeah, I think that's the, the true heart. Here. Yeah. Yeah. But now what uh what is someone absolutely wrong about? Okay, um we didn't read the entire Wikipedia article because um for the first time in our experience, Wikipedia is wrong. <laughs> Whoever wrote this article says that You that, mean something on the internet is not true? Look, let's not get mad at Al Gore, but sometimes <laughs> the internet's wrong, okay? But uh, so the the internet the article on Wikipedia says that as he watches the sunrise, that his eyes glow faintly, and that what we're supposed to get from that is that he's from the same world as Alton. Now I didn't catch the eyes glowing. It didn't. No, 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 no. I read this article and went and watched the movie again, and I rewinded and fast forwarded back and forth over that scene. Yeah. His eyes do not glow. Now okay. I think where they actually got the idea from. It's from the EEG stuff glued to his oh, head. Oh, the skin. And they and they thought they were because Lucas isn't wearing them. But Roy is, and I think they they, they were guessing like they're shaking his brain to see if it's weird like Alton's was. Oh. So I think they read too much into the stuff glued to his head. I think that's why that's why they thought that. Very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. But that's not what's going on. And so I went and did some more research, and Jeff Nichols says that's not what's that's, going on. Oh well. I mean, who, yeah. who are we going to believe yeah. there? The director. There you go. Yeah. Case closed. Absolutely. But yeah, now this was a really interesting movie. Now I rented it. On uh, on Amazon for I think maybe three bucks. It's ninety nine cents right now for like a forty eight hour rental. I don't, I don't remember. I, it, it was. Uh, I, I use this as an excuse to buy it. Well, so I I just wanted to own it. Yeah, I yeah. I, I, I looked for it uh, the other day uh, in the uh, in the, the WalMarts and uh, wound up uh, they could not find them in that special, but I did find a great deal on Tombstones. So. <laughs> Which will be reviewed that, yes, at some point. The whole purpose for me buying that. Yeah, but um, I love the way that movie the movie ends though. Yeah, it's, it's always a peaceful smile because he's not been at peace at any point in this movie. Mm-mm, no, but you see that peace yeah. and that resolve, and yeah, that is truth, and that really brings this movie to a beautiful close. You know, from the frenetic intro to this peaceful close, yeah. you really have have a beautiful movie. Yeah, and and. Like I say, like if, if if you're gonna struggle with having things explained to you, or needing to know all the details, you're gonna struggle with this movie. Yeah. You're gonna have problems. But if you can just buy into Roy and Alton's relationship, this is a really good movie. It's a powerful movie. It it is a really powerful movie. And speaking of buying in, I think we need to buy some trophies for our award section uh, because I think this movie is well deserved of a few awards. It is award time. And I think you've got down here, Jamie, a uh, best performance i'm going to throw this to you uh, what's your opinion of the best performances now well my my first instinct was to say michael shannon's hair 
Because that it is a character. It is. Song. It really is. <laughs> There's a lot going on with Michael Shannon's hair in this movie. But I, I think I'm actually going to go with just Michael Shannon. Um, because he carries this movie for, for the bulk of it. Alton mm-hmm. has his moments. Adam Driver has his moments. But for a, for a main character to have as little dialogue as he has, he communicates so much with his body language, with um, his facial expressions. Yeah. He communicates so much. And it's just, it's a really powerful yeah. performance. That is the correct answer. I mean, Michael Shannon really carries this movie. Not to be, uh, you know, thinking that I disagree with that statement. I agree 100%. But I also want to bring light uh, Joel Edgerton's performance as Lucas. I mean... He had, doesn't have a lot of, to say in this. Doesn't have a lot to say in this movie. He has a lot to do. Yeah. Uh, he is a physical presence. He is intense and intimidating, and he is strong when he needs to be. He is. You, know, you really feel his heart uh, as he's speaking to Sarah about his experience yeah. with Alton. That, that's a really powerful moment. I mean, that's, and, that, and that's really, that kind of shows off how good an actor he is. Yeah, he, he's a great actor. I think he's highly underrated uh, for the things that I've seen him in. Um, he really needs to be in a lot more. Yeah. yeah. He's actually the star of uh, Jeff Nichols' next movie. Oh, really? Loving. It's, it's out, and it's all out already, but the movie after Midnight Special starred Joel Edgerton. And, oh, um, wow. And uh, I forget the lady's name, but she's a really good actress, too, and called uh, Loving. Loving. Yeah. Okay, well, that's going to go on my list. Yeah. Um, what about favorite scene, Dwayne? You got a favorite scene? Oh, well, the favorite scene. Oh, my gosh. I, I'm just going to go ahead and, and, and grab a really strong one here. My favorite scene is when um, Alton is being interviewed by Adam Driver in in the white room and just completely takes over everything. You know, that's that's the scene for me right there. Yeah, it really uh, sets a precedence for where this movie's going because the whole movie you're like, what? What? What is going on? And and here you're like, oh, He's really... This kid just leveled up. Yeah, he just... Yeah, leveled up is a great way to put it. Now, I, I, you might be right. That might be the right answer. But I'm going to give you an, another option. Okay. Um, everything from the time his eyes light up in that field yeah. to when the bubble crashes. Mm. Um, because the, the music... The, the, we, you, you should address this because you're the music guy. Um, the music in this movie is strange. Strange. It's really moody. Yeah, it's it's in minor keys. It's in odd time signatures. It's real shifty. And you know, when we were just mentioning about favorite scenes, I mean, you could really take the first half of the movie to that point, and then from that point of the interview on, or if mm-hmm. his eyes lighting up, yeah. uh, really, truly, from his eyes lighting up on to the end. I mean, you have two completely different feels yeah. in the in the movie, and uh, yeah, the the music, um, you know, much like um, other movies spoke about, you know, Star Wars most notably, really gives you the sense of of strangeness and. and, and but it's weird too because there's there's great big swaths of this movie with no music, which most uh, that's not common for movies today. Yeah, it's it's an eerily. Yeah, uh, silent through a lot, which really gives you space 
kind of a claustrophobic feel sometimes too. And think, yeah, and yeah, in times when the the clock's tick bearing down. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it gets quiet. I mean, but yeah, so that's so the last scene. That music starts blaring. That weird, almost like an alarm sound starts going off, mm-hmm. and his eyes start glowing, and the glowing people come out of the forest and surround him. All that weird architecture, all of the scenes of other people seeing what's going on. Yeah. I just for me, I, I just I don't know what's going on in that scene. I would love to add, to get Jeff Nichols to just explain every second of that scene. But there's so much going on there, and it's beautifully shot, and it's just it's compelling. I know I use that word too much. Yeah. And and really, it's apt and fits in this movie. But you know, speaking of compelling. For this movie, I must compel you. Where is our Keanu connection? Okay, Keanu connection. I got a good one this time, and um, and I had to. Uh, and I was I was glad this time. I, was, this one was a little a little creative. Okay. Um, well, and and I want to speak to you too. I've had a lot of things going on personally, and I really appreciate you stepping up on these Keanu connections. I know in the past I've stepped in for some things and you've really taken off here since I've been a little bit overwhelmed. But anyway, so you had to get a little bit creative, a little creative. So I creative. Okay. So I, I, I did a whole bunch of Google searches. I typed in every actor's name in this movie and Keanu, <laughs> Keanu Reeves, and nothing came up. So I started thinking about, okay, let's, let's do the six degrees of Kevin Bacon thing here. Who was in movies with these people? So, okay. so Michael Shannon. Well, okay. I start with Kirsten Dunst. Dunst. I thought that she'd been in more movies than maybe some of the other ones had. Yeah. Couldn't find anything. She's kind of limited with her yeah. stuff, yeah. But she's been in like most, because Michael Shannon's mostly been in indie movies. So mm-hmm. I thought maybe it'd be easier with with uh, Miss Dunst there. So I thought, okay, Michael Shannon's been in one major Hollywood movie. This is true. Man of Steel. Okay, who else is in Man of Steel? So I went into IMDb and I looked at the cast list and I remembered. Henry Cavill. Right. Uh, no. Okay. No. A better one. Lawrence Fishburne is oh. Perry White uh-huh. in Man of Steel. Our Morpheus. Our Morpheus. Who was in the Matrix. So here is our Keanu connection uh, by way of Michael Shannon, General Zod. All right, so there's our Keanu connection. And I didn't even have to resort to the gift this week. I'm really impressed uh, (laughs) that that, uh, we escaped a week uh, that we had to stretch that far for the gift. Um, That's still in the back pocket, though. If I get desperate (laughs) going forward, I will will not be... You know, too, uh, too proud to the resort to the gift. The is always you. there. That's wonderful. All right, Jamie. So our next section we've got going on here is keeping it 100. Now, this is where we take 100 seconds each to sell each other on a show, comic, book, movie, something, and hopefully give you, our audience, uh, an insight, maybe into something that you've overlooked in the past or something that you may have even... Now, my keeping at 100 is something I've kind of forgot about uh, in the last little bit. So let's go ahead and... Uh, would you like to go first? I'm ready. First? Okay, I'll tell you I've got you a good what. one, too. You've got a good one. Great. I've got my timer set and ready, set, and... Okay, my keeping 100 this week is Elvis and Nixon. It's another indie movie. Um, it's starring Michael Shannon, bizarrely, as Elvis. And you have to, you have to grant it to him. He doesn't look a thing like Elvis. Um, you kind of you just have to give that to him up front. This guy's Elvis. But you kind of forget after a little while. It's kind of like watching Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo. Mm-hmm. You get over it and you buy it after the first little bit. It takes you a moment, but you give it to him. 
And and Kevin Spacey's in this movie. I know for some people it's going to be hard to see Kevin Spacey in a movie and not think about the you know the controversy with him. But but it's just this weird, quirky movie about this time in the seventies when Elvis went to the White House and met with Nixon and they hung out for a day. And it's just so weird. And Michael Shannon plays the weirdest Elvis I've ever seen. <laughs> and apparently at that point in his life, he was taking a lot of drugs and was pretty weird. <laughs> and so, and Nixon doesn't want to meet with him. And then they have this weird interaction and they kind of like hanging bond. out. Yeah, it's weird. But it's just this fun movie. And, and it's Michael Shannon in a really weird role. Elvis and Nixon. Elvis Nixon. Okay, when you uh, cre- uh, finish that one with 25 seconds left. And it's, it's currently streaming on Amazon Prime. Is it now? Yeah. Okay, now that is a movie uh, that had kind of uh, piqued my interest. And then, much like Midnight Special, you know, other things come out and it just kind of kept getting shuffled to the back. This That is a movie I really, really, really want to visit. It's so so I'm, I'm interested in that one. <clears throat> Okay. Uh, now, much like yours, uh, it's kind of a blast from the past. Um, mine is going to be as well. So let me know whenever you're ready. And go. Okay. On Showtime, back in the early 2000s, there was a show called Dead Like Me. I don't know if you've ever heard of it or ever seen it. It is absolutely hilarious. The second season is phenomenal the first season is good the second season is great for whatever reason it was canceled but the premise of the show is this young lady 18 ish uh, gets killed on her first day of work at a tip a temp agency a toilet seat from the international space station uh, falls from orbit and crashes into her. So she dies. She comes to realizing that she doesn't go on to the afterlife. She gets to hang out and be a Grim Reaper. A Grim Reaper is someone every day her and her friends meet up at a coffee shop. Uh, Mandy Patinkin uh, oh, is, is in it. And he... Uh, is the head of their little group, and he gives them each a post-it note with a first initial, a last name, an address, and a time that they need to be there, and they have to just make physical contact to remove the soul from someone. The catch is, is they still have to get jobs, they still have to support themselves, and this is it. Did I make it? No, I said you had 10 seconds. Oh, 10 seconds. Okay, so 10 seconds. So, I mean, the hilarity that ensues. Oh, you didn't make it this time. Yeah, the hilarity that ensues there is phenomenal. I'm interested. I I like the premise and Mandy Patinkin's in it. Yeah, Mandy Patinkin's in it. and I, I knew I wouldn't be able to sell this one in time uh, with everything because it's... <laughs> that's, that's a weird premise. I'll that's hard it's to, a weird it's hard premise. But now the second season specifically really unpacks a lot of issues. I hate when a show gets canceled. Like and uh, they tried to resurrect it, but they only done a movie where they couldn't get the actors. Oh. And so they got these other actors that didn't really work. And so you you, you didn't have Mandy Patinkin back. You didn't have a couple of the other bigger actors back. But it was uh, the movie Don't Even Bother. If if you see the movie, but if you can catch the first or second season, uh, the second season especially, and there is a, a little vignette at the beginning of the second season that just 
packs the first season in a nutshell. So you really don't even need to view it. But both seasons, I own them. They're that's great. That's a good sale. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's a fun, fun movie. We may have to or actually those, a season. It's a season. And it's, only like a, it's only like, I think, 12 episodes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, uh, that being said, and I know I carried on quite a bit after my time was up finishing up that sale there, but uh, Dead Like Me, it's a great, great show. Uh, so anyway, uh, we are going to uh, get ready to uh, close out our show this week. And uh, Jamie, what is going to be on tap Next. Okay, so on our Facebook group page, we've been—I've really been enjoying the interactions on our, our Facebook page. You all have been really chipping in and and getting some good discussions going. It's been—it's been really fun. And so, but this one's going to be a weird one. This is such a weird movie. It's hard to—I like, don't know what genre this is. Um, and so, for our pointless rankings this time, we're going to do our top five head scratchers. And so that can be like your favorite movies that like you can't find you know, where to put them in a category, mm-hmm. or maybe it's like. Maybe like I think I'm gonna put a couple on. Like I don't know why I like these movies, but I do. It's just something that make, really makes you scratch your head about a movie. Top five of those, and so well, I'll have those up um, probably the evening we release this one. Give you time to listen to the show, and I'll uh, I'll put our rankings up, and we can start discussing them. Discuss that. Okay, great. Uh, sounds good. Um, I know we're getting close to the holiday here, and uh, we've uh, on my personal Facebook page. I kind of put up a poll. You know. Do you like a Christmas story or do we like National Lampoon's Vacation? So it looks like National Lampoon's Vacation is a head. Last time I checked it, it was. It was it's, a, it's a head in the voting by about, by about vo- four votes. But I just learned something. <laughs> Jamie has never seen in its entirety from beginning to end a Christmas story. So I think I'm gonna leave it to Jamie. If and and I'm great with either one of these movies. I'm 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 fine with either one of them. So if if you want to revisit uh, Vacation again, or if we want to tackle a Christmas story for the first time, my only request when we watch a Christmas story for the first time is I want to be there. <laughs> well, okay. I, I tell you what we'll do. Here's what we'll do. Okay. We'll, we'll for since we did the poll. And so um, the poll, will, and we let our viewers count, your votes count, we'll, we'll review Christmas Vacation. Okay. But I will make the commitment, I will watch Christmas Story, and I'll, and I'll give a brief report your on that brief, episode. A brief review, a yeah. brief report. Okay, great. That sounds wonderful. So that's a, that sounds like a plan. So uh, look forward to our next podcast of uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation with a opinion from Jamie on a Christmas. Story. I'm just going to warn you. I've seen previews and I was not interested. So we'll see how this goes. All right. So uh, thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate all of our listeners from everywhere. I know uh, I've been seeing some uh, some foreign countries pop up here. Uh, our guys from Sweden, thank you for hanging with us. Um, I've seen uh, a gentleman from Australia. Uh, we got some from Brazil happening. Yeah. Um, I think we uh, had uh, some. Uh, was it a, a bot, you think, from I'm, China? I'm suspecting uh, they saw the title Big Trouble in Little China and some Chinese bots picked that up. I'm mm. not sure those are actual humans. Well, if if you're human, we appreciate you and thank you. If you're a bot, we appreciate you and thank you. Hope you enjoy. If we do have listeners in China, I would love to hear from you. I would love to know what you think about that episode especially. Okay. And Jamie, how can they reach us? Uh, our email is roundtablenerds at gmail.com. And our Instagram is roundtablenerds2. And on Twitter is nerds2.
Always with the two. We're humble. We're not number one. Thank you guys for listening. 